This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. In our series, in the Bible prophecy messages, this morning I'm going to be preaching a sermon entitled, When Christ Rules the World. Now I want you to think about it because I'm going to be sharing some things with you probably, I would say the majority of you, if you ever heard what I'm going to preach to you in the latter part of the message today, in all probability it was when you were a little child because most preachers do not take time to deliver a sermon like I'm going to give you today. And, and I understand that. So if you ever heard what I'm saying this morning, you probably heard when you were a child and you probably forgot it. And then there's a majority, I believe, here this morning that perhaps has never known it before. So this morning, I pray that you will leave here with biblical truths that you can go back and reread and be re-blessed over and over again. It's a complicated sermon because there is so much in-depth that I need to bring to your attention in order for you to get to the heart of the matter. Now I want you to notice with me in Daniel chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verse number 44. The Bible says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to the other but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Again now, I understand that most of you, when you hear a sermon like this today, it's going to start out, I believe, fairly simple, and then it will progress to be complicated. And so you'll have to pay very close attention. If you have not already pre-marked the verses, I would suggest this. You have them already in your bulletin. You can go home and reread them. It would probably best if you would listen to me read them because I have them already and I'm going to just read them very quickly. I don't want you to miss it. It's a very important message. You will be utterly amazed at what you learn today. The message again is entitled, When Christ Rules the World. You may have asked this question yourself a thousand times. Maybe you have even asked me. And I will tell you that it is one of the questions that I have been asked over and over and over again. And that is this, Pastor, in adverse and difficult times, why is it if there is a God in heaven why would he allow so many bad things to happen in this world? And I will tell you this, that many times people ask me that question over and over again. They say, Pastor, I cannot believe it. 
If God is in heaven, then why are so many things taking us down to our knees? Why are there so many bad people and why are there so many bad things in this world? I want you to think about that just for a minute. If God is a God of love, then why is this world filled with murder? Why is it filled with drugs? Why is it filled with violence? Why is it filled with famine? If God is a God of love, why is this world filled with broken homes? Why is this world filled with abuse on every level? Why is this world filled with evil? Why is this world filled with economic turmoil? Pastor, if there is a God in heaven, why are all these things happening? Well, here's what I want you to listen to very carefully today. Because none of those things are in the divine nature of God. None of them. Listen to me. One of the things that every Christian must understand, and it will help you to the answer of that important question today. One of the things that every Christian must understand and remember is this. Listen carefully to me. God is not, and I underline it and emphasize it, God is not the one who is ruling this world today. You say, well, I've never heard such. Pay close attention. This world today is, and the program in this world is being ruled and run by the devil. You see, the Bible says he is the prince and the power of the air. If you have your Bibles and you are looking at these scriptures in the sermon today, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2, you might want to make a notation of this scripture and highlight it and go back and reread it. But the Bible says, wherein time passed, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now, look at that, the spirit that now worketh, look at it very carefully, that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And friend, this may clear up something for you today. It is the devil that is working and ruling in this world. God will only permit it for a season. I can tell you that what is happening, God permits, and he permits because of his perfect will. Listen carefully to this. The devil is the one who is leading the world right now. You can see him at work in our government. You can see him at work in our education system. You can see him at work in, in the perversions that go beyond imagination today. You can see him at work in addictions of all sorts. You can see the devil at work on every street corner in the entire world. Listen carefully. God is not the one in charge of that. God is not ruling the world at this time. Listen, God is ruling the hearts of the people that will let him rule. That's what God is ruling. And I emphasize those that will let him rule. You see, listen, God is not forcing anybody to do his will. God is not forcing anybody to submit to him. God is not forcing any of us to surrender. He is not forcing any of us 
to let him have his perfect way and will in our life. But I can assure you, if you will submit and if you will surrender, God will, in fact, rule your heart and rule your life. He will bless you. Listen to this. If you allow God to rule your finances according to this Bible, he'll bless you. If you refuse to, according to this Bible, he will curse you. If you allow God to rule your footsteps, he will order them. If you allow God to rule in your decisions, he'll give you wisdom. If you allow God to rule in your affections, he will set them on above. If you allow God to rule in your priorities, you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, here's the thing. God will rule whatever we allow him to rule. But... The present kingdom of this world is ruled and reigned by the devil. I'm telling you right now, friend, in political corruptness and scandals and embezzlements and greed and frauds and organized crime and perversions around the world, I'm telling you right now, it is organized and manipulated and orchestrated by the devil. God, that is not in his nature. Now listen to this. The prophet Daniel is saying in the scripture that we read in the opening part of the message today, he is saying that all of this even though the devil is in charge of it now, he is saying that is going to forever one day come to a screeching halt. In verse number 44, Daniel says this, that the kingdom of Christ, it's going to stand forever. And in verse 45, he says it is certain and sure. I want you to see what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 about this kingdom of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, the word says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then he goes on to say, And of his increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Notice that. The word of God says that the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with the judgment, with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this God's kingdom friend is sure and certain and it will stand forever now I want you to notice something Daniel chapter 2 is teaching us that the kingdoms of the world is going to one day pass away he is saying that the kingdom of Christ is the only kingdom that can bring us hope and peace now, friend, when the kingdom of Christ is ushered in, listen carefully, it is going to be a completely different story then than what it is today. You may want to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. And most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Most of you this morning, when you read this, you refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. And I understand that. I understand what you're thinking. I understand what you're saying. And if I were to ask you to stand this morning and recite the Lord's Prayer, there's not a person in this auditorium that knew it that would not stand and begin to quote this passage. But I want to teach you something about this today. This is better known as the model prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer. Jesus never prayed this prayer never 
You say, I never heard that before. I was raised as a child and always thought, I know what you think. And if I were to just casually talk about the Lord's Prayer, I would draw my attention and focus to Matthew chapter 6. But what I'm saying to you today is that Jesus never prayed this prayer. If you look at it very carefully, he told me and you to pray this prayer. You see, that's the model prayer. Notice what it says. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Notice this. After this manner, and notice the words and underline them, Jesus said this, Therefore pray you. He said, Therefore pray ye. He didn't pray it. He said, What I'm going to say, he said, is what you need to pray. You say, Well, how do you know Jesus never prayed this prayer? I'm going to show you. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now notice the next line. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now listen, friend. Jesus never one time had to ask the Father in heaven to forgive him. He was perfect. He was infallible. I'm telling you, he is the Lamb of God. He is the one that's perfect and holy and righteous. It's not God or his Son that would ever need forgiveness. That's why he gave us Calvary and the shed blood of Christ that we could find redemption and forgiveness through him. He never prayed, forgive me, Father. He said, when you pray, you pray this. And notice this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Now, when you read this, there's a very important phrase in, in Scripture. He said, thy kingdom come. Now, I want you to know, friend, that the Lord is going to usher in his kingdom. That is definitely going to happen. And, and when you think about that just for a moment, we, we see all the turmoil in the world today and we wonder how far away is it? What is this kingdom of Christ going to be? Preacher, are you saying that he physically, literally, is going to one day be ruling this world? Absolutely. You see, the devil seems to be writing history today. But friend, I'm telling you, one day he will be history. In the second chapter of Daniel, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar had a terrible dream. And this is where it begins to get complicated. So follow along with me. There was a mystery about his dream and there was an interpretation of the dream. This, this Daniel chapter 2 is extremely important in laying the foundation of what I'm going to share with you in just a minute. You see, Nebuchadnezzar awoke from a dream. He was troubled by it. The Bible says that his spirit was troubled. Notice Daniel chapter 2, verse number 2. The Bible says, Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king of Syriac, O king, live forever, tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut into pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. 
But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show thee the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, this is but one degree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, This is not a man upon the earth. There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, the ki- there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the degree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Now notice this very carefully. He awoke from the dream. It troubled his heart. Daniel noticed that there was a a personality conflict going on with the king. He wasn't the same. It was though he had turned very angry. He was fidgety. He was nervous. And Daniel began to ask, why is the king acting like this? In verse 15, he answered and said to Eric, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Notice this in verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. You see, God gave Daniel the interpretation. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God, my Father, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. God helped Daniel to understand what the dream was all about and then all of a sudden everything changed. Notice this in verse number 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was, ter- and the form thereof was terrible. This image, his head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly on it, and on his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. And then verse 34, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out with hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. You're saying, preacher, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't understand a single word you just read. Well, I want you to know the king had a terrible dream and he felt the same way. He woke up and he said, what does this mean? I don't understand a single thing of this. What is this all about? 
Now I want you to notice very carefully the word stone in verse number 34. Who is that stone? What is the stone? I'm so thankful God has not left us in the dark. Over 14 times in the word of God, Jesus Christ himself is referred to as the stone. He's referred to as the smitten stone in 1 Corinthians 10 and Exodus 17. He is referred to as a stumbling stone in Romans 9, chapter 9 verse 33. He is referred to as a special stone, a precious stone, a tried stone in Isaiah 28 verse 16. He is referred to as the rejected stone in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 22. Now in this story, Daniel is saying he is the smiting stone. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. Daniel is saying that the stone, Jesus Christ, is going to come and destroy the other kingdoms of the earth. And when God spoke those words to Nebuchadnezzar, he was troubled in his spirit. And he said, somebody come and help me. Tell me what this is all about. None of them could do it. God put his touch on Daniel and Daniel began to interpret the dream. I want you to know, friend, today that there is coming a day when Christ is going to rule this world. Now, I want to answer a few questions for you in the time we have remaining. Pastor, when will the kingdom of Christ actually come? Most of you, and I hope all of you, have the prophecy chart in your bulletin. And it's something that I want you to stay close to in your personal study now here's something that I want you to understand and maybe you've not figured this out but on the chart when I have the timeline of chart beside each thing that's happening in Bible prophecy there is a letter of the alphabet. If you turn this over you will find that every letter that is on the front part of the chart is in chronological order beginning with the letter A and it tells you with scripture what events are going to take place. Not only what events are going to take place, but when they're going to take place. And so listen to this. Your question may be today, Pastor, when is the kingdom of Christ going to come? The kingdom of Christ is going to come at the end of time. Here's how it's going to work very rapidly. First, we have the rapture of the church. When the rapture of the church takes place, the dead in Christ are going to rise and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to receive a glorified body and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. When we meet the Lord in the air, we're going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Now the judgment seat is only for Christians. There will not be one single lost person standing at the judgment seat. And that judgment seat is going to last for three and a half years. After that three and a half years are over, we're going to move from the judgment seat of Christ to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will be at the holy banquet table of God for another three and a half years. When we are raptured out of this world, the lost will immediately enter into a seven-year tribulation period. And while we are at the judgment seat for three and a half years and then the marriage supper of the Lamb, there are seven years of horrific, unbelievable things going on in this world. And then at the end of the marriage supper of the Lamb or at the end of the seven years, that's when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in His revelation. 
It is here that all believers will return with Christ as he sets up his kingdom. If you have your Bible open, notice Jude verse 14. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Psalm 72, 11 says this, Yea, all the kings shall fall down before him, and all nations shall serve him. Well, pastor, if you're saying that the kingdom of Christ is going to be set up at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, what is this kingdom called? It's called the millennium. And these are some biblical words, friends, that you need to understand. Listen carefully. You need to know what the rapture is. The rapture is only for Christians. You need to understand the biblical term, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Christ. You need to understand the biblical term, the revelation. But then, listen, you need to understand what the millennium is. The millennium is simply the 1,000-year earthly reign of Christ from the throne of David in Jerusalem. It's going to begin. Listen, when Jesus comes back in his revelation and the battle of Armageddon is over, listen, the Lord Jesus is going to cross the Kidron Valley. He's going to go through the eastern gate and he's going to take his place at the throne of David where he will then rule and reign for 1,000 years. Somebody say amen. How can you sit through that and not say it? Glory to God. Somebody say praise God. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. It's going to begin a thousand years of peace. No wars, no threats, no terrorists, no suicide bombings, no immoralities, no perversions. Honesty will be restored. No need for jails and penitentiaries. There will not be drugs and alcohol. No need for hospitals and insane asylum. And more than that, no cemetery. Somebody say amen. Can you imagine a thousand years like that? You say, well, preacher, if his kingdom will be set up at the end of the tribulation and what you're talking about is the millennium, what will happen during this kingdom? What will happen in this millennium? Well, friend, look very carefully. First thing that I want you to see in Revelation chapter 20, verse number one through three, listen to this. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be filled and after that he must be loosed for a season. What are you saying, preacher? Listen to this. This is complicated. Stay with me. When the rapture takes place, the Christians are gone. The world goes through a seven-year tribulation period. The Lord comes back in the revelation. He defeats the antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, and then he takes the devil and then he throws him in the bottomless pit and he puts a seal on him and the devil will not be able to be loose for 1,000 years. 
Imagine that a world without sin and perversion and the old devil is sealed in the pit. You say, well, preacher, you know, that's good and all, but the thousand years, I mean, he's going to be loosed after a thousand years. Why is that? Time is moving, and I've got other scripture to share, but you read it. You, can, you have the scriptures. Here's what's going to happen. When Jesus comes back in the Revelation and defeats the Antichrist and throws a devil in the bottomless pit and puts the seal on him, with, their, with, no, with no devil and with no sin, and with no temptation, and with no evil. Listen, people are still going to be born in the millennium. Now, when they're born in the millennium, and there's no devil, there's no evil, there's no temptation, there's no sin... That means that all they will know for a thousand years is the love of God. That means all they will know is Jesus Christ. So listen. If that's all they have known, then God would have been a respecter of persons if he were to allow someone to be born in the millennium without the knowledge of sin and at the end of all of that take them to the pearly city who had never had a confrontation with the devil, who had never had the ability to resist the devil, who had never had the, re the ability to decide what they're going to choose. I'm telling you this, that at the end of the 1,000 years, he's going to be put in the pit at the beginning of the 1,000 years. But friend, at the end of the 1,000 years, the Bible says he's going to be loose. He's going to be let out for a short season. And verse number 10, if you read that in Revelation 20, the Bible is talking about this. He is going to have the ability, listen, God is going to give the devil a chance to come out of the pit and to pervert or to tempt the people that were born in the thousand years. And listen, those people will have to decide whether or not they are going to follow Satan and listen to his lies and his heresies or whether or not they are going to be true and love and serve God. Listen, God is not a respecter of persons. I'm telling you, it's always been about whosoever will may come. He's not forced any of us to trust him. He's not forced any of us to take him. If he didn't allow the devil to come and tempt those people who were born in the millennium, then there would be two plans of salvation. I'm telling you, friend, there's only one. Jesus said, I am the way. Well, what else is going to happen in the millennium? Listen to this. I want you to see these for the next closing minutes. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 6. I want you to understand. Did you, did you know that there is a curse on the animal kingdom today? There's a curse on the animal kingdom. That's why there is 
Listen, when God created the, the animals in Garden of Eden, he didn't create those animals with an instinct to kill. Each other are Adam and Eve. That killer instinct is a byproduct of sin and the devil and the curse on the garden. But during the millennium, God is going to take the curse off the animal kingdom. Notice this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. So in the millennium, listen. The best thing about it is the devil's going to be sealed in the pit. Then God is going to lift the curse off of the animal kingdom. But not only that, listen to this. Jerusalem will be established as the capital for his kingdom. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 17, the Bible says, And that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. But not only that, listen to this, the saints of God are going to reign with him. Revelation 5, verse 10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now with the king of glory on his throne and the devil cast into hell, the Jew will return to the land. Hosea chapter 3. But listen to this. Also in the millennium there is going to be universal peace from one end of this planet to the other. In Isaiah, notice this, chapter 2, verse 4, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. In this 1,000 years, it's going to be Sin free. It's going to be sinless. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy one. Now here's something else you might want to understand and learn and take notice of. If you turn quickly to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, here's what I want you to know. That not only is God going to seal the devil in the pit for a thousand years, he's going to remove the curse from the animal kingdom. 
He is going to literally and personally rule and reign from the throne of David and all of his hosts are going to reign with him. There is going to be universal peace for 1,000 years. He is going to allow the lamb to lay down by the lion. But listen to this. He is going to remove the curse from the ground. Not only is he going to remove the curse from the animal kingdom, but he's going to remove the curse from the ground. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you this, that this land, this earth, this world will be a land flowing with milk and honey. There will not be a desert. There will not be a wasteland. God is going to bring it all back to life. You say, I don't know about that. Let's look at it. Ezekiel 36, 29. And I will also save you from all of your uncleanliness and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled where is as it lay desolate in the sight of all that pass by. God's going to bring prosperity to the earth. Now here's something else that I want you to see and I want you to notice. This, 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 this is going to bless your heart. This is a hard book to look up. You might want to find it later and just listen to me. But Zephaniah, Zephaniah, notice this now. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. Here's what's going to happen in the millennium. Listen to this. The devil's going to be in the pit. The curse is going to be removed from the animal kingdom. The curse is going to be removed from the earth. Jesus is going to rule and reign from the throne of David himself. You and I will literally rule and reign with him. There will be no more sin. There will be no more evil, no more wars, no more hostilities. But listen to this. In the millennium, there will be one universal language. Everybody will speak the same language in the millennium. Zephaniah chapter 3. Notice this. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 9. For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. In the millennium, Every last one of us will be speaking the same language. In the millennium, every saint will be like Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 2, Beloved, now we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, preacher, how far are we from this kingdom? When is it going to take place? When is his kingdom coming? 
Now, I don't know what these people down the road are going to do, but let me just say this, friend. Every Muslim and every Arab and every Buddhist and every Hindu and every guru is in for a rude awakening. I'm telling you this. Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God. Not only did he come to this world to die on a cross and not only was he resurrected from the third day, but I'm telling you this, Isaiah said, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He is going to come back literally. And when he does, he will rule and reign from the throne of David. I don't know what he's going to look like. I don't have to know right now because the Bible says when he shall appear, whatever he is, I'm going to be like him. Well, when is his coming, preacher? When is he going to come? When is the kingdom coming? I'm going to tell you this. I cannot set a date for you, but I can pinpoint something down for you, and that is this. When is his kingdom going to come? Listen, if the rapture took place today, then his kingdom would be seven years from today. I can tell you that. If his rapture took place today, his kingdom would be ushered in seven years from then, when Daniel finished the dream, the interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the Bible says that the man came down from the throne and he stood before Daniel and he said, there is no doubt in my mind that Daniel's God is God. And can you say that with all assurity today? If you've heard a clear presentation of the gospel, friend, you can't be saved after the rapture. There, there might be some of you right now saying, look, all this church stuff is just a bunch of hocus pocus to me. Just a bunch of spiritual tones. Just a bunch of spiritual words. All this is good. I'm only here today because my wife is here. I'm only here today because my husband. I got some kids in the nursery. They need it more than I do. Listen, all of that stuff. If you think for one minute that you keep putting off Jesus. And I'm telling you this, the Holy Ghost may be walking up and down each one of these pews. I don't know you. Your decision where you are with God. I can tell you this, that there's some people in here today I've never met before in my life. You're listening to me preach the gospel to you. And you're here today experiencing the ministries of Buford Road Baptist Church. I'll tell you this, friend. Listen, if you never get to know me personally, you will miss nothing. But if you never know my Jesus, friend, you're going to miss everything. Everything. Listen to this. I don't know where you line up, but I will tell you this. If you have never, ever accepted Christ as your Savior and the rapture were to take place today, friend, there is only one way for me to say this. I can't stand here today and say, well, we just need to pray for him. Pray for you. There's not a prayer in this world that could help you without Jesus if you died today. Listen, there is only one way that I can tell you what will happen to you without Christ. If you die without Jesus, listen carefully, friend, you will die and go to hell. 
you will never, ever be able to be saved. You say, you got a chapter and verse for that? Yes, I do. I want you to look with me in 2 Thessalonians, and I'm going to close with this chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. Now, this is talking about the Antichrist, and here's what's going to happen. When the rapture takes place, all the Christians are gone. All The Holy Spirit is gone. The Antichrist is going to set himself up as a peacemaker, and then he's going to set himself up as God. And then the Bible says he is going to be able to convince. There are going to be a lot of, did you know this? This is a startling truth, that when the rapture takes place, I'm convinced that if it were to take place on a Sunday morning, there are going to be multiple thousands of churches filled to the capacity when the rapture takes place. There will be preachers who are still standing in the pulpit preaching. There'll be Sunday school teachers out in the Sunday school room teaching. The, the pews will be full of people. You say, well, how can I be? I'm telling you that not every person that calls Lord Jesus Lord is saved. They will say to me in that day, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. And when these church houses are filled to capacity when the rapture takes place, listen, if they're not filled to capacity when the rapture takes place, I guarantee you the next Sunday following the rapture, you won't be able to get in the parking lot. But it's too late. The Antichrist will be able to deceive the very, listen, the, the church member. The person that was there every Sunday, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness, notice this, of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that's the gospel, that they might be saved. Notice this. And for this cause... Those who did not receive Christ as Savior. Those who said, you know, he needs it more than I need it. Well, if Elvis Presley went to heaven, I guess I'm going. All of these things that we think God just one day at the end going to let us slide in. Listen, if we reject the gospel... God is going to give you such a strong delusion. He's going to put a block in your brain where you can no longer respond to the truth. There'll be two witnesses preaching in Jerusalem. 144,000 will be saved. From their ministry, millions will be saved. But you will not be able to be saved if you've ever said no to Jesus. Notice the rest of this verse. For this cause... Who receive not the truth. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion. That they should believe a lie. Notice this. That they all might be damned. Who believed not the truth. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. I realize. Friend I'm not ignorant. I'll tell you this today. 
There is not a preacher in town that would stand in their pulpit on Sunday morning and preach what I'm preaching to you right now. I realize that. But you know what? I'm not responsible for their flock. I'm responsible for you. And I want you to go to heaven. I don't want one person in this building to die and go to hell. I want you all to be saved. If I could save you, I'd save you myself, but I can't. You need to trust Jesus if you're not saved. I'm telling you, friend, that his kingdom is coming. His rapture is coming. If you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, your daughter can't help you. Your son can't help you. Your grandchildren can't help you. All the religion you've ever heard in the world will never be able to help you. Grandma's prayers can't help you. I'm telling you this. The only person that can help you is Jesus. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.